0: This Columbus business has made a name for itself in the cannabis industry. Got your attention? Stick around. You speak, we listen. Conversations connecting people. This is the Chuck Williams Show. And I'm Chuck Williams. Uh, Crafty name for the show, huh? This is, we're number 10 or not. We've been doing this now for almost three months, and it's been a blast. And this is something I do on top of my day job of reporting here at WRBL. I was at a murder trial on jury watch all day today. So this is clearly the highlight of my day. We got two incredibly interesting guys here with us tonight. And it's Sam Andres and Scott Allen. Um, they are architects with their principals in the firm 2WR. It's a Columbus Slash Denver Colorado Architecture Firm. Did I get that right, guys? Yes, sir. Welcome, man. It's good to have y'all here. Um, we'll start just uh, start with you, Scott. Tell me a little bit about about yourself.
1: Well, uh, like Sam, I've been here in Columbus for over twenty years, and uh, it, it's it's just flown by. You know, architecture is a type of thing where it's just a different adventure every day. Um, I got my undergrad at Auburn, and then a Master of Architecture at North Carolina State. And um, kind of did the typical thing, went to work in the big city. You know, I was in, in Boston for three years, in Raleigh, and then Atlanta for a couple of years before coming on down to Columbus to uh, join the team with Sam.
0: Where were you raised?
1: Uh, I was raised in New Hampshire, uh, that state, little state way up there that most <laughs> folks from Georgia, they don't know where that is. Um, but I always also tell people that my grandfather uh, was from lower Alabama, so I kind of came back to the south, but uh, most of my family... Um, is still in New Hampshire. My mom and stepdad are down here, thankfully, uh, with me to really be here with the family, my family.
0: Right. Sam, your story is an interesting one as well.
2: Um, that is. I uh, grew up in Florida. I'm a Florida boy. I uh, went to Florida A&M University.
0: That, that's interesting in itself because Florida A&M is a historically black college and university, right? Yeah,
2: it is. Yeah, I was in the one percentile, one of the best experiences of my life. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, did it help shape
0: you a little bit where you are?
2: It did. You know, you, you get a different perspective on life, and, and it was uh, it was amazing. I, I loved my time there. I loved going back and being a part of You know, working with students and crits and looking at the work and seeing, you know, what the school is doing. So definitely uh, paid my dues there and like to go back and spend time looking at it. And you
0: majored in architecture at FAMU?
2: I did, yeah. uh, Graduated in 93, uh, worked in Tallahassee, Florida before coming up here, and and then we opened 2WR in 2001. How'd you find Columbus on a map? I mean, what brought you up here? So i worked for a firm in Tallahassee, Florida that had a branch office here in in Columbus. And uh, in 97, I moved to Columbus, worked for that firm for three years, and then decided to uh, make the move to open 2WR.
0: Let, that's a good segue. Let's talk about 2WR. Um, what kind of architecture do you do? I mean, to me, architecture is just building with Legos. I mean, I mean, I know it's an incredibly difficult job, and I know it's something that, that takes a lot of education and a lot of just practical experience. So tell me a little bit about your firm.
2: I think uh, one of the things I think that Scott said back in 2010 when the economy was crashing was, thank God, our business sector isn't a rifle approach, it's more of a shotgun. You know, we spread the net and we do a lot of different things. So, you know, traditionally we, we kind of had the K through twelve, higher education, um, office, T I, um medical. medical and and that's kind of where we T I really, what's T I uh tenant improvement. So okay. office space you know, okay. basically updating it, um, interior work. Um, you know, I would say really I like to think of us as high-end design, um, you know, more interior design, branding, and we we kind of built a reputation around that, um, that kind of approach to projects, very, you know, aesthetically pleasing. I think that, you know, you probably talked some about the, the vision stuff and more yeah, of our I mean, mission. y'all are
0: very different guys. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, knowing both of y'all, you're two very different guys, but obviously the partnership works, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Why?
2: Three-legged stool.
1: Yeah, so the third leg uh, is not here with us tonight. That's Michael Starr. Um, mm-hmm. Michael and Sam and I are all very different. Uh, we kind of joke sometimes that sam's yes michael's no and i'm maybe Um, so and we all bring different skills to the table Uh, we kind of we kind of know our boundaries yet we kind of ebb and flow in terms of the specifics of what's going on in the office Um, and just the way we work our management styles i think the staff would say that we're all very different uh, to work with as well Um, but we, you know, we made a commitment 20 years ago to try and do good stuff, and that's different for every project. Uh, different projects have different goals. Um, one of the things we say, too, is we want our work to be inspiring. Uh, we want it to be something that uh, folks in Columbus say. In the old days, for example, when the Cunningham Center was done, someone said, well, that looks like an Atlanta firm did that, and it looks like something that you see in Atlanta. And we took that as a compliment in a way.
0: Your firm designed yes. the Cunningham Center on the CSU campus.
1: And, and the fact is that that building was designed specifically for that campus, for that site. You know, the big glass wall is kind of a window to the community, you know, looking out, out from CSU's campus. And the back of the building is a backdrop for the baseball field. And so every project Great is place different.
0: to watch a baseball game. Uh,
1: absolutely. The President's Porch is yeah. a lot of fun. <laughs> it is. Um, so every project's different. And I think that's one of the reasons we love architecture. And um, we, we kind of want to bring that energy uh, here to Columbus. Let's get into
0: We're going to come back and talk about some of what 2WR has done in Columbus and some of your business stuff. But for... Five years now, I've been wanting to talk to y'all about this piece of the business. And when I was at the newspaper, uh, I want to talk about, I realized that I couldn't do a minute 30 package on this. You can't tell this story, but your firm got involved in the cannabis business. When
2: we started in cannabis in 2013, we opened a Colorado office in 2012, and then 20.
0: When did they legalize
2: um, marijuana in Colorado? Uh, medical was legalized in 11, recreational in in 13.
0: So y'all were out there as marijuana was becoming full blown legal in Colorado. Oh yeah. Um, you don't think about it, but you got to have a place to grow the stuff. I mean, and that's where you all come into this, right?
2: Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, you know, you can grow it in a field, but you can't grow the kind of quality that people want to buy today. You can't grow medical grade. You can't grow a high-quality recreational grade. It That happens indoors. Uh, it doesn't happen in greenhouses. It happens in a warehouse.
1: And it's, it's, what's great about it, too, is, you know, being part of the process in a, in a controlled environment, you know, that's, that's really important because, you know, all the different parts that come with cannabis, right, um, it's important to us that we'd rather be part of a solution to provide something that's controlled. And um, I think that's one of the reasons. Who, took,
0: who took the initial interest, interest in bidding on cannabis grow house
2: projects? Initially, um, we were working with a contractor on other work who was doing a couple of cannabis jobs, and the architect who had done them had not detailed things quite right. They were in construction, and he talked to the owner about bringing us in to help look at it, and we did uh, four facilities with that owner and, and then got introduced to a gentleman named Mike Dundas in uh, Massachusetts. And at that point, we really started kind of saying, OK, well, this is an emerging industry. Um, one of the things that we talked about from day one in opening the firm was, where do we want to go with this thing? And we always talked about, in order to go national, which was a goal, um, and we're international now, which is really cool. Um, but, you know, to do that, we had to have a niche. And so we saw cannabis as a niche. And at the same time, you know, being a company in the deep south and-, and Columbus, Georgia is as Columbus, deep as Georgia, it Georgia, Bible Belt, you know, um, there was a, a concern you know, we do K through 12, we do higher education. What are our clients going to think of us doing cannabis? And, uh, you know, so we, we decided to create a subsidiary company. And uh, I'm going to credit Michael with coming up with the name, which was MJ12 Design Studio. And the idea of MJ12, everybody thinks MJ, oh, Mary Jane. The reality is it's a great kind of, uh, uh, you know, pun on the name, I guess, but it it really relates back to the Majestic 12, which is a secret society of of government officials, military leaders, and scientists formed under Dwight Eisenhower to study and do recovery on alien uh, activity. So the Majestic (laughs) 12... Being a secret society, and MJ, short for the Majestic 12, was MJ-12. So for us, it was like, okay, now we're our own little secret architectural firm doing cannabis work out of Colorado.
0: With its roots in Columbus, Georgia, and it's some of its partners in Columbus, right? hundred yeah. percent. Y'all, okay, I'll probably say this eight times during the show. Y'all are very different guys. I can see you saying, okay, we're going after the cannabis business. What was your initial reaction, Scott?
1: My initial reaction, uh, Chuck, was, hmm, okay, do we really want to do this, <laughs> uh, honestly? Um, but I, I said that on a couple of nights yeah.
0: when I was hanging around Sam, don't we want to do this?
1: And, and I think, I, like I alluded to a few minutes ago, I think we decided that um, we would rather be Work towards something that's, uh, you know, a regulated entity uh, out there, and something that is gonna it's gonna happen. So how can we par- be part of a process that things are done well, done right, and regulated for the safety and also the medicinal aspects of it, and all the R re- and D that's happening. Um, what's so, interesting? Go ahead. No, you finish. Go I was ahead. gonna say what's interesting about it too is it obviously the focus right now is on cannabis, right? Yeah. But you know, you're gonna see more indoor grow environments with other plant types. As with, with climate change, workforce, strategies, and urban environments, you're gonna see indoor grow facilities uh, much more common uh, internationally. So-
0: Not your th- traditional greenhouse.
1: That's right. Or field for that matter. With all these fields that have had chemicals poured into them over the decades aren't as productive. So you're starting to you're starting to see that.
0: I mean, growing tomatoes like that. I mean, is that far fetched? No, not at all. Walk me through the piece where you start in Colorado, and you're helping this guy straighten out a, a bad design. Then all of a sudden, my words, not yours. If, whoever designed That's about right. All right it's okay I got, <laughs> I, I got the gist of it yeah. uh okay you're helping this guy fix a problem then when did you have somebody come to you and say hey you're figuring this out help me design a building and when'd you do one from the ground floor
1: yeah, yeah. um <laughs> so this like what 95 projects ago yeah, y'all have done over a hundred <laughs> grow houses, right?
2: We're, we're somewhere between ninety five and one hundred and five, six and a half, seven million square feet, fourteen states, three countries, um, yeah, uh, and then fifty or so dispensaries. So, you know, I think that early on, we when we created MJ Twelve, we created websites. website. We got a guy who did a great job coding. If today, if you go on to Google and type in "cannabis architects," we're going to be front page. Um, we had a uh, inquiry form on the website, and the day that website went live, we were getting five to ten inquiries a day, and. You know, you've, you've got to weed through it, no pun intended, and try <laughs> to figure out who's real and who's not real, and who's got money, who's got a building, who's got not just a vision, but, but really ready to who's embark in the state on works. a journey.
0: Who's in a state where it's legal? Yeah. I mean, I think that's got to be the first thing, right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Because you're not building it for a cartel down in Columbia. You're designing. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. Hopefully not. (laughs) (laughs) But you're designing designing marijuana grow houses for the legal marijuana industry throughout the U.S. and now internationally. Correct.
1: And most of these guys, I think Sam might have mentioned earlier, a lot of these guys are Wall Street guys, okay? They aren't.
2: Developers, yeah. Wall Street, hedge fund, you know, guys who see an opportunity and and want to build a business, but they, you know, the majority of folks who work for um they don't really know cultivation or cannabis or, you know, what what's the best way to grow, you know? They know what they want to make money, um, and they know they've got a certain amount of money to put into it, right? Yeah. You know, now I think we made an investment to really learn about the industry and and dive into it. So in you know 2015, we started going to trade shows. I I personally um, I would say since 2016 have not worked really in any sector but cannabis. That's what I do.
0: I don't know if it's a fair question, but I'm going to ask it because you've just kind of gotten there. If I had walked up to the 20-year-old Sam and the 20-year-old Scott and said, guys, you're getting close to 60 now, right? How old are you, 55? 50, I'll be 57
2: in July.
1: And how old are you, Scott? 51, I think.
2: So
0: both of you in your (laughs) your 50s. If I walked up to the 20-year-old you, and said, when you hit your 50s, you're going to be making a ton of money in the marijuana business. What would you have said to me?
2: Do I have a private plane and am I flying to them from Mexico? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, and
0: in your old age, I mean, what, what would the 20-year-old Scott have said to that question?
1: I, I would have said you were, it, there's just no way. I'm going to be an architect, right? right? I'm going to do the building, design buildings for you know schools and you know, not even remotely on the radar. Uh, heck, 10 years ago, Chuck. And that's why this thing has taken off uh, like wildfire, uh, like Sam has mentioned. All those states he listed a few minutes ago, yeah. he's been to all of those. And he's he's. I think he's on the ground less than he's up in the air because he's flying all over the place.
2: Macedonia is awesome. If you've <laughs> never been, it's uh yeah. It's an inexpensive vacation with great food, <laughs> so you went to Macedonia on business I did, yeah, I spent it- a week in Macedonia, looking at sites and um, learning the culture and you know, How making pro- friends.
0: How many proposals are you doing a week to do people's work um Anywhere between five and ten a week? That yeah. you're putting out RFPs, requests for proposals.
2: We're. Your answer. You're people answering. are coming to us and asking us for fees. I, I've done ten this week since Saturday.
0: And they can see your website. They can see the 95 to 100 you've done, right? They, mm-hmm. they can. What's the most important thing? about designing a cannabis grow house?
2: I I think that we've we've learned a lot of valuable lessons along the way. We've made a lot of mistakes and I think the most important thing that we try and explain to clients is that there's a lot of different ways to grow, you know, cannabis and understanding how to design a facility that, that allows them to be flexible in the future, to change methodologies, uh, to change plant size and plant spacing and what the lighting is and temperature and humidity levels in the rooms. Which to all m- relates to yield. A hundred percent relates to yield. That's, that's great insight, yes. Um, to, to have that flexibility uh, is probably the most critical component. And then to make sure that, that all of the pieces are adequately sized, not just to move the cannabis through cultivation, but to process and get it out the door. Because if you have a backup in what we call, well, to, to make it easy, if you have a backup in packaging that backup doesn't go away. It only, you only compound the problem as new harvests come out. So you've got to be able to, to move it in a very fluid way all the way through. The Which picture. is automation. And um, automation is coming. Yes sir, it's, it's not well, here I want yet. to set
0: the record real quick what I know about yield, I learned in Dothan Alabama on peanuts. So I don't know about, I don't know about marijuana cannabis yield, but I, I know about peanut yield. Um, and I know how important yield is per acre, you know when you're growing peanuts and stuff. So how do you measure it in a grow house? Obviously it's not per acre, is it per foot? I mean what do you do? How do you um, measure
2: grams, that? grams per square foot, grams per light? People do it differently, but, you know, when we're looking at it, we're looking at grams per square foot. And the the challenge is that, you know, we've we've got a, a facility in California where our client is growing, you know, 45 grams a square foot, and then we've got, you know, a client in Massachusetts that's doing 80 grams a square foot. Um, both of them think they're killing it. Yeah. Um, we have a, a group we work with out of Washington that's 100 grams a square foot. So, you know, yields vary, and, and they vary based on cultivation methodologies, the system they're using, the environmental parameters that they utilize with What's the, the retail
0: value of 100 grams per square foot?
2: Um, so, you know, the retail value Varies drastically from state to state, and it because does of because of supply and demand. So, you know, in Colorado, I think right now you can wholesale, um, you know, a high quality for about probably seventeen hundred a pound, whereas out in Massachusetts, that same quality would be about forty five hundred a pound.
0: You realize. Twenty fifteen years. That's wholesale. Say that again. Whoa. That's
2: wholesale, not retail. Give me the number again. Forty five hundred bound in Massachusetts. Wow. You
0: realize, fifteen years ago, we're having this conversation in Columbus, and we're going to have the Metro Narcotic Narcotics Drug Task Force outside that door. We've come a long way in this, have we not? I mean, because it's because what you buy on the street is very different from what you buy. At a dispensary, correct?
2: Um, That's correct. I mean, I think one of the cool things about... I'm going to preface this by saying I'm not going to get into one side or the other, whether or not you support it or you're against it. The one thing that I think is very positive about the cannabis industry is you know exactly what's going into that plant. It's very regulated. When somebody start to plant, they have to track that plant from the, the day it started all the way to where it sold retail. And if, you know, if you ever have a problem with it, if there's something in it that shouldn't be in it, they have to destroy the whole crop, um, you know. And you've seen that happen. Oh, yeah. you You don't know, you know, somebody buying something off the street has no idea what's in it. No idea where it came from. It, you know, the industry is very, very regulated, regimented. Everything. You is, know what it's cut with. You yes, one hundred percent.
0: Scott, you're kind of being kind of quiet, it's, and, <laughs> and you know, and I, and you've obviously watched this as a partner and watched uh-huh. your business grow in this—no pun intended—grow in this direction. <laughs> uh, Did you have to do some self, some self evaluation, some 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 thinking with yourself, some you know, just sort of sitting down and talking to yourself about, hey, where's this going, and and what, and what's this going to look like? Uh,
1: I don't know if it was if it was that deep, uh, Chuck, uh, but I think, um, I, I at the end of the day, like I said earlier. And like Sam's saying, if, if, it's a, if a plant is tracked and it's the whole regulation process um, and what's going on from a, an R&D standpoint with cannabis, if it can help cancer patients, if it can help um, you know, autism or, or, or whatever, I think it's a, it's a positive. And so to me, the benefits of kind of the, the, the medical... Uh, advances was extremely positive. And, so,
0: and that brings us right now to the uh to Georgia. I mean, Georgia is about to get into the medical marijuana
2: business, correct?
0: That's so, correct. Are y'all, I mean, obviously you're a Georgia firm, are y'all involved in that?
2: We are. We we were part of uh four applications in the state. Um well, you know, hopefully, now in the next thirty days or so, if uh, if our teams were successful, we hope they were. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So you could be on the ground
0: floor of it here. I mean, you know, obviously you're a Georgia firm, but you also have this ninety five to hundred building resume, um, yeah. do you think that helps you when you're trying to get into it on the on the Georgia side?
2: I, I think so, I think that, you know, one thing is that we're at a point where we want to start bringing the name recognition together, 2WRMJ12, we are one company, and let people know that, you know, we are at Georgia, Colorado, we also have an office space in Massachusetts, so um, you know, we, were are a national firm and while we, we are cannabis, there are other things we do that, that tie into that market. I think one of the things that's, that's really cool with Scott starting to get more involved in the cannabis goes back to the whole three-legged stool and starting the office where, you know, my role really was, um, kind of overall corporate vision, um, administrative, uh, financials, marketing. Scott was the aesthetic vision of 2WR and and has always been that. With what we're doing with, with cannabis, he's becoming much more integrated, and we have clients that are looking at doing cultivation facilities where it used to be very basic warehouses. Now we're getting folks who want to do something that that helps a community look good, uh, not just a, you know, industrial winter, side. Yeah, mm-hmm. just a, a shed on the side of the road. So we have a project in downtown Boston that uh, is a grow house in downtown Boston. Oh yeah, in the planning phase. How far right from now. Fenway? Um, less than a mile. I would say probably within a mile, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> will it have a dispensary connected to it? The, that's inevitably the goal. It's kind of in the planning phase right now in, you know, city review. And uh, the, it's a building that, if it goes, will we'll probably end up being published. It's, it's very cool. Um, we have one in Mississippi that's going to be a, a fun looking building, you know, very different.
0: I want to get back to Georgia real quick and I want to be clear here. Georgia has legalized marijuana. They have not legalized recreational use like they have in Colorado, Massachusetts, where the, some of the other states where, DC now has recreational. I mean, so. We're still a ways from recreational use being legal in Georgia. Right now, it's strictly medical marijuana,
2: right? Um, that is correct. It's adult use and it's it's low THC, so it's it's much more limited adult use than other states. Yeah, I think it, you know the the thing is it's taboo, right? You smoke pot, really? Um, I I think that there's gonna Come a point where people realize that it's. I'm going to go on record here. If you sit down and you drink, you know, three or four makers, uh, or you're a Willett whiskey drinker, you know, what's the difference? If somebody enjoys marijuana and not drinking, what's the difference? What's a a gateway drug? Marijuana or liquor? Where do you start?
0: Man, you've started asking the questions. You're asking pretty good ones. Um, you know, that's, I mean, there is a taboo. It is taboo. It, it, there is, I mean, we just had a district attorney elected in Muskogee County, and part of his platform was Free the Green. I mean, that was one of the things that Mark Jones ran on was Free the Green. I mean, and he defeated a three-term incumbent, and I don't know how much that played into it. I mean, but you know, it's coming, right? I mean, I mean, it's the change is coming, even to the deep South states,
2: right? Uh, I mean, I'm a believer that we're five years away from some level of federal legalization on at a minimum, the medical side. And I think that, you know, within the industry that's going to be a huge change. It's going to be something that, you know, right now regulations are state by state. Um, you know, when when we have federal legalization, the, the game changes. So, you know, but I, I do believe it's coming. And you know, I think that again, I what to what's you know three liquor drinks versus a, a joint.
0: But and now it's not just a joint like you would think of from when we were younger. It's you know, it's it's smoke device. You know, it's vapor devices and stuff like that,
2: right? Vape pens, edibles, the the flower market uh, still dominates the market. Sixty eight percent, I think, of uh, nationally marijuana sales are flower. But you definitely have the vape cartridges, the you know the edibles, um, which are you know very uh, different. Uh, affects and and you know how somebody reacts to those
0: and the cannabis used in what y'all do and what the cannabis used in those types of products come from building jaw design.
2: Hundred percent, yeah. And I think mm-hmm. you know when we first jumped into it, I'll go back to what Scott said. I mean, they, the, uh, I mean, I, I've, been, you don't have to look for You can go on Google and Google search you know, medical marijuana with a Parkinson's patient. Um, I've talked to individuals who have children who suffer from seizures who are able to use cannabis oil, low THC cannabis oil. And and those children don't have seizures or very drastically reduced. My dentist has a... a uh, dental assistant in Colorado whose child had 10 seizures a day until they started medical cannabis. And, and that went away one a week. There, yeah. There's, you know, it's, a, it's not fake stories. It's real.
0: Wow. I mean, that we could talk the entire show and the next show about this. And I think You know, I'm I'm tempted to just say, we're talking cannabis, the rest of it, but I want, I mean, but I think Scott would shoot me because that was not the (laughs) the premise on which I got him here. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the rest of y'all's business as well. And we may come back to Cannabis Men, but just to make sure we get this in. Um, 20 years in Columbus, just tick off a number of the buildings that you have designed in Columbus or the Chattahoochee Valley.
1: Well, in the Valley, I, I can tell you this, at St. Francis, just at St. Francis, we worked on over 100 projects alone. Um, Houston Clinic, 20 projects. Piedmont, six projects. School District, five projects. So th- it adds up pretty quick, um, you know, 70 maybe. But on our, our, our projects list- Give me with,
0: some of the schools you've done. Sure. Of the, some of the schools.
1: Uh, Rigdon Road, uh, Aaron Cone. Uh, Aaron Cohn was, I think, the first lead K-12 school in the district. What's lead? Um, Leadership in energy and design. So Uh, an energy-efficient building. Yeah, yeah, sustainable. And the natatorium um, uh, is part of Midtown. That's a a lead building as well, Uh, a, a state award winner. I think we're the only firm in town that's won two state awards the last 10 years.
0: You've Uh, done two pool buildings here. You did the natatorium, but you also did the YMCA downtown. That's
1: that's right. The YMCA is one of our older projects. And um, it's an interesting project because the whole idea behind that building was, you know, the brick part of the building is very regular, much like the old mill buildings downtown. And then the the pool and the racquetball court are these like metal and glass lighter elements, kind of like the mills when they would just add on to the mills in random locations. So that's kind of the idea behind that building. And of course, a lot of that glass faces north, and which is very important um, in a building.
0: What's our fascination with red brick? It's
1: a good question, Chuck. Uh, you know, it's kind of a, we kind of went the other way when we first opened the office just to make a little bit of a point while still being contextual. Um, but, you know, brick's a good material. It's cost-effective. Uh, we have laborers that know how to put brick down. Um, but I think it just really comes down to all those wonderful buildings on the river, uh, much like many other mill towns. Uh, that was the heart of this town and what this town was built on. So I, I think there's a lot of that that's still still there.
0: And mm-hmm. it's good
1: to acknowledge history like that.
0: And obviously we have. with the, I mean, a lot of what is done here, if it's not red, I mean— I'm seeing the Mercer building right now, a lot of brick on that Mercer Mm -hmm. campus uh, next to Tesis right now. Mm -hmm. That's not one of y'all's, is it? Uh, No, sir. Okay. A lot of brick. Um, I'll move quick now. Um, uh, But if you look, y'all use, like the Y, brick with other stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, give me a couple more examples of that
1: here. Uh, Uh, The John B. Amos Cancer Center is a recent project. Where, you know, the building has a lot of stone at the base, and it yeah. gets lighter, and all those big windows face north and south to contribute to the patient experience. Uh, St. Francis, that big the Butler pavilion, you know, lots of red brick and metal panel and glass at the, the main entrance. Um, so you know, you try to, to really try to use materials to say, "This is the main entrance," or "This is a, a smaller space in the building." So it's telling a story.
0: I know one of the things in having reported on a lot of development stories over the years, particularly downtown development, redevelopment, um, there are a number of firms here. I mean, y'all have grown, obviously, Heck Bertishaw has been a major player in this market for many years. But now one of the things I'm seeing is you'll have Heck Bertishaw working with 2WR. Mm -hmm. You'll have two architecture firms maybe on the same, Project, and I know, well, I'll, I'll come back to it, but, answer, sure. yeah.
1: Well, and, and for example, you know, the Midtown Complex, we did the natatorium and Heck, Berdashaw, did the Citizen Services Center and the parking deck. We were the executive architect for the entire project. Both firms could have done the project on their own, and it would have been wonderful projects. But we felt the need to, you know, we wanted to make sure that the money stayed in town and that, you know, that we had a chance to work on that very you know, ex- ex- important project for the city of Columbus. And we live here. You know, we, we care about these projects. We drive by them every day. Um, it means a lot to us uh, when we get to work on projects in our hometown. Uh, Do your kids know what you've designed here? Absolutely. Uh, when my kids were younger, they spent Saturday mornings on job sites, um, walking around with me and looking at things and you know, Sam's kids as well. Um, they're, they're glad to see what's going on. It's funny, you know, we go to other cities and they'll say, well, dad, that looks like something that y'all might've done. Mm-hmm. And they, they take a look and they notice those things. Um, we actually get phone calls. We'll get phone calls from folks that we know. And, um, for example, the Harris County library, someone calls and say, Hey, there's this beautiful library out in Harris County. It looks like something y'all might've done. And we're like, yeah, we did that. That was actually another architect who called us. Yeah, in, uh, an architect from Atlanta. Yeah, you know that's one of the
0: things in your business. You obviously do private projects. Y'all have just designed the new AC Hotel in downtown Columbus that just opened a month, you know, a month ago. So you do that, but there's also a lot of public money because of building schools and government buildings, universities. I mean, y'all've done a Boatload of work at CSU, right? I mean, how do you, how do you deal with the public aspect of it? Because everything you do there is the public record. I mean, where, you know, I can't go figure out what you got paid on on Rinkish's job at the AC, but I can figure out, you know, kind of what the fees were on others. How do you, how do you balance the public work with the private work?
1: really chuck i you am know, kind of like what sam mentioned earlier um we really take a shotgun method to 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 getting work we like to do a lot of different things uh, we, we enjoy working with private investors like rinkesh and Mitesh, um, and them kind of really making their mark and all the wonderful things they've done on their own but in the flip side of that you know, working with a board of regents or a, a ccg Working with those committees and how they process information and do things is very different, um, and our staff likes that. Um, they like working with different clients, different scales of projects. Um, really, there's not a lot of balance to it. We just want all of it. <laughs> <laughs> really, uh, now the Scott
0: so, Allen I know and love is uh-huh. coming out. Man, I don't yeah.
1: want. I want. I want to win.
0: So. <laughs> You know, yeah, but I'd i want to win when right. I, I mean i'm a reporter but i want to win i want the story nobody else is going to have sure. i understand your drive mm-hmm. it, there there's there's something competitive the difference between me and you if i make a mistake i can get sued you can just plant ivy
1: over it uh, we got to get on. some of that quick growing ivy <laughs> yeah. uh, but. but
0: that's a running joke about architectures they don't uh,
1: what's how it go help me i'm doctors get to bury their dead mm-hmm. architects drive by them every day <laughs> <laughs> their mistakes
0: and <laughs> plant and yeah. plant ivy mm-hmm. uh, Sam what's your favorite project you've ever worked on here in in, in locally
2: and hey, you've already mentioned it my favorite here I, I think not the biggest project we've done but the YMCA to me is is really um, probably my my favorite job that we did in in you know, I I think that I mean I could go back and say the Cunningham Center because in a way that one was the first one that we did where we, you know, kind of collectively said, We're going we're not going red brick. We're we're gonna create something, it's a gateway to CSU, it's the window mm-hmm. to the campus and we're gonna do something different and we're gonna we're gonna try and we're going to push the envelope and and I think in a way the the y m c a kind of played that same push um, I think that you know we were asked numerous times why our detailing doesn't look identical to other buildings in the downtown, and it was you know um not our goal to to create Disney World architecture where you replicate something. It was an idea of of taking um, a modern approach to expressing the historic buildings of the downtown, and it was right on that right on that lot that happened to be across from TCS where you could take the Pieces in the downtown and create this transitional move from one side to the you other. Had a
0: cool old building across the street and the, bus sta- the country's bus station. So
2: and, mm-hmm. and I think the the coolest thing, the coolest phone call that we got was, you know, six months after it opened, we get a phone call that says their membership exceeded their five year membership plan. Um, and, and you know, six, and it was like, yeah, the the city's hungry for it. People are hungry for something different, not the same old. How do you sell that?
1: You have different. to do a good job. Yeah, because, because... modern architecture that is bad is really bad. <laughs> I mean, so, we
0: haven't... Ex- I mean, yeah. God will get in trouble for this, but the government center is a style of architecture that lasted five, six years, right? It didn't last very long. Mm-hmm. And the government, there was a reason it was not. And the government building is one of the finest examples of a failed architecture, which I'm not sure what that says, but I know the. Bu- I was in the building today. Um, I'm in the building a lot and have been over 30 years. Mm-hmm. It's not 50 years later, it still ain't functional.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times, and I've said this, you know, to to my kids, you know, when things aren't going great, it's not usually just one thing. There's usually a lot of little things that add up to make a big rainy day. And I think that building had a little bit of that. It had a lot of people in the kitchen. They built it on the cheap. They built it on the cheap. Um, You had, you know, judges telling architects how to do things from what I've heard. Um, So... You know, you know, a lot of times, like, the architect does get blamed, um, but it, it takes a lot of things well, to, to to do something like that and get those types of results.
0: The architect that designed that died last week, Ed Neal, and Ed, Ed was a great guy and a very, very good architect and design guy. I mean, you know, that one wasn't all on him, and I mean, I basically had heard him say that, you know. I mean, do you get nervous when a lot of people start getting in the kitchen? Mm,
1: mm, mm. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, they say, what's a camel? And it's a horse designed by a committee. Um, we try to we try to stay away from those camels. Um, and a lot of times, too, because we're not doing the same thing over and over with clients, we have to do a lot of talking. We have to tell them why things look a certain way or why they don't want a Palladian window in a building that's built in the, 21st century.
0: What's a Palladian window?
1: You know those windows with a kind of a half moon across the yeah, top? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, that's from Roman architecture. Okay. They developed the arch so they could transfer water from certain regions to other regions. All those big aqueducts were built on arches. That's a structural thing. We don't build buildings like that anymore. So that's what Sam's saying earlier. It's kind of a Disneyland kind of thing. It's, it just doesn't make sense.
0: If you hadn't been an architect, what would you have been,
2: Sam? Stark. But I wouldn't have made millions selling marijuana, and then we'd sit early.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, that's not what we said earlier for the record.
2: He'd be
1: a pilot. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) pilot. Uh, I
2: don't know what I would have done. I mean, I, you know, I I tell you what I would have done. My family, the contracting family. I wore a tool belt when I was twelve years old. I. Designed in uh, my first custom home at 16, and I did the framing myself with my brother. And does yeah.
0: having built make you a better architect?
2: Oh yeah, I think so. I mean, I, you know, I think one of the things that's really different about our firm is that we we love team projects where contractors on board at the beginning, and we throw ideas around and share mm-hmm. ideas. So you know, we. We're not the firm that says, Well, I drew it, that you know, that's the detail, that's how you build it. We we like to collaborate and and share ideas, you know, there's a hundred different ways to skin a cat, so.
0: But once that contractor
2: shows up and starts working, those those changes cost money. Um, changes can cost money or changes can save money. We tend to play the save money game. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I'll finish it with kind of go back to where this started in cannabis. Um, where do you see your firm five, ten years from now? As y'all both get near closer to retirement, do you see you still doing what you're doing here in Columbus, or do you see you almost as a cannabis
2: firm? Um, I I see us m- more as what we are right now, very diverse. I think that, you know, even in the Colorado office, Colorado office took us to different markets, not just cannabis, hospitality, um, multifamily. Um, those are are big sectors out of the Colorado office. Then some of the the Colorado office carries over from here, K through twelve, higher education, so. You know, I think that, like Scott said, our our staff enjoys that diversity of work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think cannabis is is going to be a big part of it. It's you know, more states, states it's gonna a lot. more states more, are going to
1: More states, yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens over the next five years. Like Sam saying, if it becomes federal, um, or if it is state by state. And at the end of the day, you know. Working on different types of projects helps us inform ourselves on whether it's cannabis or government or or, or retail. It's all about branding and get, getting an understanding of what that client's all about, and and make in putting a building together. That's all about them. That's that's what we do.
0: Mm-hmm. And y'all been doing it for twenty years. Mm-hmm. Twenty uh, years. Yeah, you know, it's just. I mean. I have great respect for architects. I mean, I, I love watching work. I mean, the first architect that I really knew, grew up in Eufaula, was a guy named Charlie Blindheim and y'all probably seen some of his stuff. Um, uh, I think their firm did the Bryant-Denny Stadium um, expansion where the toilets didn't work. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, and then there's a friend of mine that's my age, Mike Hamrick, that's an architect down in Eufaula. So I've always been around these guys and kind of watched what they do and have always found that architects are kind of quirky, but they're also kind of a mix between artistic and practical. I mean, because of what you have to do, the you know just the draftsman's, nat- draftsman's nature of job, but also design and and putting something on paper is that i mean is that
1: yeah, i think it's an interesting way to talk about it chuck and just sitting here you know when i was a kid my mom would drop me off to art lessons once a week and when i wasn't there i was helping my stepfather do things around the house putting things together and he taught me a lot of those things and so that's really kind of like you're saying it's like what an architect does he tries to make things look good but or she and but it has to work and and that's that's a lot of fun,
2: and it's a I think it's a variation person by person. I I can't do what Scott does. I can't. I don't have that aesthetic ability. Um, I you know my designs in school were very structural. I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you're. They, I mean, you're practical. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah.
1: very, very practical. Sam's thinking about how am I going to put this together? Yeah. Right? From the from the first block. Uh, so
0: Interesting. How many employees y'all have?
2: 27.
1: How many
0: are in Colorado? How many are here?
2: Um, it's like split. Yeah. Um, pretty even split.
0: Ten years ago, if I told you you had half your employees would be in Denver, y'all wouldn't have believed that, would nah. you? No no Uh, and
1: i still remember we were driving over to doherty county for a project interview and sam had just returned from colorado uh one of our partners out there jeff um, had had gotten married and uh sam was mentioning how you know they knew some folks out there and uh, jeff was actually working on the butler pavilion finishing up those drawings and uh, we talked about, you know, we we hate to lose Jeff. He's such a great guy. He's done a great job. And um, Sam's talking about how, you know, they know some people out there, and all three of us at once were like, "Well, I guess we got to open an office." And that's kind of how it happened. We were just and riding. Sam said, "I'll go." <laughs> not at first. Not at <laughs> first. But um, we, uh, you know, thankfully Sam made that jump over to to Colorado. We're very grateful he did that. He uprooted his family and moved out there five years ago and um, support Jeff and 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 grow that office.
0: Well it's an amazing story and it's an even better story than I thought it was. And I'm glad y'all finally reached a point where you were comfortable enough to share this in the in a public forum. Because I think this is I mean I think a lot of people are gonna listen to this and go, whoa, that's a Columbus forum. I think a lot of people will do a double take when they hear kind of what y'all are into, 100 dispensaries and grow houses and stuff. Well, here's the point of the show where we change it up. Y'all get to ask me a question, call it Turn the Tables, and so far we don't know who my favorite hip-hop artist is. I get burned on these sometimes. So uh, I'll start with, with you, Sam. Who, who's uh, Which
2: one to ask? Um, so I'm curious what, what led you into – The reporting business.
0: I wanted to be a sports writer. I mean, it was that simple. I wanted to go to ball games for free because I knew I was never going (laughs) to be good enough to play. And, you know, and I did that for a number of years. And then, like y'all, when cannabis came along, I left sports and went to Newside because there was a little more money in it. And that's kind of led me here. And then two and a half years ago, everything changed, and I ended up, you know, Fifty-eight year old guy walking into TV. You know, they and they've kept me here. I don't know why, but they've kept me here. So this is though. This is my wheelhouse. These interview, long form interviews. I did almost hundred and fifty of them for the paper on Sunday interviews. The difference is now I don't have to go back and edit it and get and have Diamond edit it and end up putting it in the paper. I mean, you know, I'm I'm very fortunate. I've you know I'm doing a long form interview and. Our good friend Dylan Hanson, our director, who's just done an outstanding job, always does. Uh, we, we, he'll go back, cut this out, and he'll it'll be online. It'll be online in an hour and hour and a half tops. And you know, I don't have to, it, you know move to the next one. Make sure I got a guest lined up for next week. What well, Scott? What would you, this ought to be good?
1: I'm trying to think of something creative, but. I see you. I see,
0: okay. I'll just go ahead and say it up front. Sam and I are friends and have been friends for social friends for a long time. Scott and I run into each other at Fountain City Coffee many mornings uh, and have. So I know both of these guys and talk to them and, and have relationships with both of these guys. So, I mean, I should have said that as a disclosure up front, but
1: there we go. So while we uh, didn't necessarily break bread all the time, We've been on a lot of chamber trips together. Yeah. What has what was your favorite city in terms of the place and where you felt good, comfortable and you knew where you were? Just out of curiosity.
0: Okay, I went to Denver, Indianapolis, Kansas City, Louisville. I like Louisville. Louisville Louisville felt like it it had a little hint of the military Mm -hmm. there not not like you see it here but a hint of the military in louisville beautiful downtown they have companies like louisville slugger um they did the most impressive thing i've seen um the louisville cardinal football stadium is built on a brownfield that was a rail switching yard very similar to the 90 acres we have in the center of our city and they they basically um, asphalted over much of it and then they built a you know a major college football stadium and athletic complex right there i mean Louisville felt like a place that you not you could live mm-hmm. you, i mean
1: I thought it's, Louisville was my first trip, and I really enjoyed it too. I thought it was a great city. Okay, one more question. Slash or Eddie Van Halen?
0: Van Halen. Who's Slash? Dylan, can you Guns N' Roses. Guns and Roses. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was never. I was never a heavy. <laughs> Even nut. I know that, Lake. Come I, on. I was never. Man, I am not. You know, my guys are Willie Wayland, Paycheck. Okay. I mean, that's that was my era of college. I, I right. mean, Alabama showed up. That was me. Okay. Well, Chuck Williams will not be doing a music podcast. We have established that fact. But well, guys, I want to really thank y'all for being here. So what we're going to do right now is go into some of the closed stuff. I want to thank you because I think we learned a lot. I know I learned a lot about your business and about y'all and, you know, know both of you and have great respect for you and your work. And I appreciate y'all being, being willing to share that. We're here with Sam Andreas. Say Andres, I always screw it up.
2: It's, so you like, on, man. I, I, When you said it the first time, I was like, "Ooh, that!" I was uh, impressed.
0: I know you well enough. I mean, I your names, so they put me on TV. Um, and Scott, and Scott Allen, thank y'all guys for showing up. Y'all, y'all really have been enlightening tonight. Okay, now we're going to get to the part where we talk about. What are we going to talk about, Dylan? Oh, we're going to talk about the Chuck Williams Show. You can catch it every Tuesday at 7 p.m. from 7 to 8 on WRBL.com. And coming soon, you'll be able to get it on Audible, Spotify, and what's the other one, Dylan?
2: Apple, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.
0: Apple Podcasts. That's where it's coming. Okay, now we're going to go to the social media part of this, and this is my favorite part. Um, You can follow Chuck Williams, and that's me. You can follow my reporting as well as these podcasts. Um, On Twitter, it's at Chuck Williams. Been there since 2008, and we need a really famous actor-athlete to come along, and we are going to sell at Chuck Williams to the highest bidder. Uh, Then we've got Facebook, Chuck Williams WRBL, and then you can get me on Instagram at Chuck Williams 999 Thanks again for joining the Chuck Williams Show, and we'll... I want to thank Dylan. Dylan's done an outstanding job directing this, and this one of the joys of, of doing this every week is getting to work with, with Dylan. And I want to leave you with one thought. I want everybody to be safe, but above all, be kind, because you never know what baggage the other person's dealing with right now. So be kind, enjoy a great week, and come back next week for The Chuck Williams Show. Right, the
1: white All right, that's a wrap.